Mr. Cohen was an observer and was a witness to Mr. Trump's awareness of those emails before they were dropped. Donald Trump's week just gets better and better, doesn't it? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. No, it doesn't. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, and in Cottage Grove on KSO, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, in Maui, Hawaii on KAKU, hope you guys are safe. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, New Orleans, WHIV, in Gallup, New Mexico on Route 66 on KNIZ, in Concord, New Hampshire on WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle, Washington's KODX, Red Bluff and Redding, California's KFOI, and Round Mountain, California's KKRN, not to mention AM950, KTNF in Minneapolis, St. Paul. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for your convenience on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth. Five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast, making the world safe for democracy again, or at least trying to. Um, uh, As usual, we've got a lot to cover today, or to try to cover today. Thank you for joining us for our daily adventures through all the madness. (laughs) That uh, cackle there was uh, Desi Doyen. It's <laughs> not the right. It wasn't a cackle. Not really. No. It was a chuckle. It was, it was a, a chuckle. I, yeah. Yeah, that the, chuckle was Desi Doyen. The daily adventure through the madness. Yes, and uh, speaking of, you will be joining us for our uh, bi-weekly. No, twice weekly. How do we say it? Twice. Twice weekly. weekly yes. Uh, adventure through the madness of the environment with our latest green news report coming up a little bit later today as Hawaii braces for uh, a powerful hurricane, Hurricane Lane. I hope you guys are doing all right up there in uh, in Maui listening on 88.5 FM. Uh, also, the EPA is admitting that Trump's new replacement for the clean power plan will kill thousands of Americans. So that sounds good. But uh, also some good news. The Trump administration keeps losing in court time after time after time on all of these, uh, not all, but damn near all of these uh, environmental initiatives, these rollbacks to, um, you know, to the protection for our environment. So we got some good news on that coming up, but a lot to get to right now. Um, Senator Maisie Hirono, speaking of Hawaii, She's the Democratic senator from Hawaii, according to Jen Hayden at Daily Coast, has shown exceptional leadership in the Trump era. On Wednesday, 
She showed other Democrats how to stand up and fight back, says Hayden, after the felony guilty verdicts for former Trump campaign manager Paul Manafort and Trump's personal attorney Michael Cohen. After they entered guilty plea, after he entered guilty pleas on eight uh, federal felonies, Senator Hirono has uh, apparently had enough and is leading a charge to stop the Judge Kavanaugh U.S. Supreme Court nomination in its tracks. At least she's trying to. On uh, Wednesday, Senator Hirono tweeted, quote, I have canceled my meeting with Judge Kavanaugh, real Donald Trump. She was tweeted to. Straight to him, I guess. Uh, Donald Trump, who is an unindicted co-conspirator in a criminal matter, does not deserve the courtesy of a meeting with his nominee. Purposely selected to protect, as we say in Hawaii, his own okole. I think that's how you pronounce it. And I don't actually know what okole means. I didn't look it up. I hope it's FCC safe. (laughs) Uh, But if uh, any of our listeners on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui, wish to let me know what that actually means, once you are all safe from Hurricane Lane in any event, feel free to drop me an email with an explanation. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. Hayden argues that this is the proper framing for all Democrats. She says there is no universe where it should be acceptable for a president embroiled in a criminal investigation, one that is inching closer and closer to his doorstep by the minute. I'd suggest it's closer than his doorstep at this point. But uh, she says there's uh, no way that such a president should have the privilege of nominating a Supreme Court nominee to a lifetime appointment. Got to agree with that. Even worse, she notes, a judge who may very well end up presiding over Donald Trump's own cases before the court. This should be a red line, she says, for not just Democrats, but for all senators. This is about law and order. This is about the very foundation of American justice. Senator Hirono, Hayden notes, is not the only one calling for delay in confirmation hearings. Democratic senator, uh, uh, Democratic leader in the Senate, Chuck Schumer, is also ringing the same bell. The Democratic minority leader tweeted himself on Wednesday, quote, Judge Kavanaugh's refusal to say a president must comply with a duly issued subpoena. And Mr. Cohen, uh, talking about Michael Cohen's there, uh, implication of the president in a federal crime make the danger of Kavanaugh's nomination to the Supreme Court abundantly clear. It's a game changer, he says, and Chairman Grassley should delay confirmation hearings. But what Grassley should or shouldn't do, uh, at least as he hears it from Democrats, does not matter. As far as we know, Grassley is pressing ahead with uh, jamming this nomination through, this lifetime nomination that will affect the balance of the Supreme Court for a generation. He's still planning to uh, jam it through. But you may also have a bit of a say in that. Hayden uh, requests that, as as do I, that you please pick up the phone and call your senator, regardless of state, regardless of party, and demand a delay in Kavanaugh's hearing, especially, she notes, if you live in Maine, where Senator Susan Collins is once again trying to portray herself as a centrist, while once again supporting an extremist nominee, you know, as she does. 
Uh, if you'd like to reach your uh, your senator's offices, you can reach both of your senators by dialing 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. Uh, I have heard some senators say that they are not hearing from a whole lot of people, so you might want to help change that equation a bit. Hayden notes that Republicans are hell-bent on cramming this nomination in before the American people have their say in November, despite it being increasingly clear that Donald Trump's actions leading up to the election may very well have been criminal. She's talking about the 2016 election as well as his repeated and continued efforts to obstruct justice and cover up his crimes. Not to mention Republican leader Mitch McConnell's claim, by the way, that the American people should have a voice in such an important decision as a nomination to the U.S. Supreme Court, especially one that would tip the balance of the Supreme Court. That was at least what McConnell said when a vacancy occurred back in February of 2016 before that year's November election, as opposed to this vacancy, which officially occurred in August of this year. Um, that's right. Just this month and uh, just uh, th about three months away from the November, crucial November midterms. Other senators are also taking Senator Hirono's lead. Ed Markey of Massachusetts tweeted shortly after Hirono on Wednesday, quote, I will not take a meeting with Brett Kavanaugh. He has been nominated by someone implicated and all but named as a co-conspirator in federal crimes. His nomination is tainted and should be considered illegitimate. Once again, the number to reach your U.S. Senator is 202-224-3121. All right, I just want to uh, sort of leave this right here for the moment, but a new Reuters poll out today of nearly 3,000 American adults taken in June and July of this year, 2018, finds the progressive movement in the U.S. is having some success, some pretty big success, at least in moving the party towards the progressive left on health care, namely the long sought after Medicare for all idea that progressive Democrats and folks like Bernie Sanders have been advocating for many years now, having big success in, in fact, not just in moving the party in that direction, but moving the whole country in that direction. According to a new Reuters poll out today asking, would you support or oppose a policy of Medicare for all? Democrats support Medicare for all by 84 and a half percent. Only uh, just about 11 percent of Democrats would oppose Medicare for all. That's pretty huge numbers. And uh, that shows that the party is uh, moving bigly in that direction. Um, but the more surprising part about this poll is it is not just Democrats. In fact, Republicans now a majority of Republicans at 52 percent support Medicare for all. A majority of Republicans. Overall, Americans uh, support Medicare for all by a little bit over 70 percent. So, um, hey, what's your excuse again, Democratic Party, for not going all in for Medicare for all? And to those single-issue voters who might vote against Democrats for this reason that they are not all-in enough, 
by either voting uh, Republican or third party or just staying home this year. What I can promise you is that the Republican Party will not push for Medicare for all or any similar plan that actually expands health care to more Americans. But Democrats have done so, and they may go much further and potentially adopt a Medicare for all if they are in power and able to do so. But they cannot do it from the minority, and it won't be done if they remain in the minority, um, which to me should be a lesson for everyone here. All right, a couple of uh, noteworthy, fresh details on what HBO's John Oliver often refers to as stupid Watergate. It may be stupid and it may be like Watergate, uh, but I think it is much worse. And it is moving very quickly towards what should take down this unprecedentedly corrupt and unquestionably sociopathic liar of a United States president that we have right now. Today, it's being confirmed by multiple news outlets after first being reported by The Wall Street Journal that uh, tabloid executive David Pecker has been granted immunity by federal prosecutors investigating payments during the 2016 campaign to two women who they say uh, who, who said that they had affairs with Donald Trump. Pecker is uh, chief executive and chairman of American Media Inc. That's AMI, best known for uh, publishing the National Enquirer. He is close to Trump and the president's former lawyer and fixer, Michael Cohen, and had been integral to a campaign effort to help protect Trump from embarrassing stories about women as he ran for the presidency, according to The New York Times. Cohn, of course, pleaded guilty in federal court in Manhattan on Tuesday to violating campaign finance laws and other charges and acknowledged that Donald Trump had directed him to arrange payments to two women during the 2016 campaign to keep them from speaking publicly about the affairs that they said they had with Donald Trump, which, as we discussed on yesterday's show, is almost certainly a serious criminal campaign finance violation and a campaign finance violation conspiracy for which most people would go to jail, as Michael Cohn very well may now do so. On an interview with Fox News last night that aired today, Donald Trump has now admitted that he made payments that he uh, previously and repeatedly denied Uh, Both personally and through his spokespeople, he lied about this over and over and over again and sent his uh, spokespeople out to lie about this over and over and over again. He is now admitting, essentially, that he was, in fact, lying and is admitting to having committed a crime. By the way, all of those spokespeople, people like uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who now know if they had any if they had any doubt before that the president of the United States lied to them and sent them out to lie to the American people. Any of you people got a conscience? Any of you people uh, don't hate yourself uh, enough that you would actually resign at this point, given that you were made to look like fools by going out and lying for this president? Do you care? So far, apparently they don't. Uh, In any event, uh, after Trump admitted in no uncertain terms 
that uh, this was all lies and nonsense. The very stuff that he has now admitted to, he had, you know, denied from before the election until he could no longer keep up that lie anymore. But now he says, sure, I did it, but it wasn't a crime. And he is wrong about that bigly. Uh, whether he will be uh, prosecuted for it, whether a sitting president can be indicted, that's another question. The Wall Street Journal reported on Wednesday night that Pecker was cooperating with prosecutors and Vanity Fair published the news uh, of the immunity deal that he has now been given immunity, which means he, uh, in exchange, needs to say and say anything that he knows, share any information that he knows with um, with the investigators, the federal investigators looking into this. So uh, as uh, Desi Doyen, as you asked me earlier today, is Trump going to be tripped up by his own pecker? <laughs> well, yes, it appears that he may be in more ways than one. Yeah. At this point. <laughs> That's got so many, so many different applications. Yes. But what's remarkable to me is how Republicans, uh, congressional Republicans, Republican Party officials, you know, at the federal and state and local level, how they are all still basically supporting Trump. You know, they might go, oh, yeah, that's that's really too bad. But they're not willing no. to do anything. And they're, of course not. They're, they're zero interest in any kind of oversight or accountability, nope. not just of Trump, but of the entire Trump administration sure. is just shocking. And I, I guess I still retain, you're still shocked. Yes, I retain the capacity to be shocked still. Okay. And uh, and and truly, it seems like the only thing that they do respond to is overwhelming public pressure. And, I mean, overwhelming. And not even that. Many. Not even that. They respond uh, after they're voted out of office. Period. That's the only thing they give a damn about. We'll talk a little bit about some of that in a bit. Uh, but uh, as you note, Des, this is hardly the only thing that may trip trip up this uh, his own pecker is the only hardly the only thing that's going to uh, trip up this uh, arguably deranged con artist in chief. In addition to the pecker pickle that Trump finds himself now in, uh, as we discussed with my guest on yesterday's show. Um, Heather Digby Parton, there is also the proffer that is being made by Michael Cohn's lawyer, Lanny Davis, that Cohn is happy to cooperate with special counsel Robert Mueller to share all that he knows about Trump, which is a lot, but specifically on what Trump knew about both the uh, the infamous Trump Tower meeting with Russians uh, by his son, Don Jr., his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, and his now convicted campaign chief, Paul Manafort, um, but also the somewhat cryptic claim that Davis made uh, that Cohen wanted to share what he knows about when Trump knew about what he uh, what, what uh, Lanny Davis called the computer hacking prior to the 2016 election. Well, Michael Cohen's attorney, Davis, has Lanny Davis has now suggested on Wednesday that President Trump, in fact, knew about the hacked Democratic National Committee emails before they were released to the public during the 2016 presidential election. Davis asserted uh, during an appearance on CNN's Situation Room on Wednesday that Cohen observed Trump's, quote, awareness of the hacked emails before they were published by WikiLeaks. Here's Davis, Michael, uh, Michael Cohen's lawyer, with Wolf Blitzer on CNN last night. 
you've suggested uh, that uh, your client, Michael Cohn, has information that would be very useful to the special counsel, Robert Mueller. W what is that information? Well, I pick my words carefully. I'm not quibbling. I said it would be of interest that I believe that he observed and saw Mr. Trump being aware of the use of emails to damage Hillary Clinton's campaign that could only have been derived from illegal hacking through a Russian agency called WikiLeaks. I believe that there is some information that Mr. Cohen could provide to Mr. Mueller that would be of interest to Mr. Mueller. I don't know if it's a smoking gun or how decisive it is. What I'm suggesting is that Mr. Cohen was an observer and was a witness to Mr. Trump's awareness of those emails before they were dropped and it would pertain uh, to the hacking of the email accounts. Okay, uh, and sorry about the uh, weird quality of that uh, audio. For some reason, we had trouble finding uh, that full uh, comment from CNN. Yeah, today. CNN doesn't post that yeah. very, very uh, easily weird. to get to. So something as uh, seemingly newsworthy as that. Uh, in any event, for someone who uh, for someone who claims to uh, pick his words carefully, as Lanny Davis said right there. Uh, let me just clarify one point, because uh, it's really not helping. WikiLeaks is not, at least to my knowledge, a Russian organization, as Lanny Davis just described them in that quote. Now, while many believe that WikiLeaks may have received the emails in question from Russian agents, there is currently, as to my knowledge, no public evidence to support uh, the idea that they are a Russian organization or even that they receive the emails from uh, from Russia. WikiLeaks is headed by an Australian guy named Julian Assange. He has uh, repeatedly insisted for his part that the source for those emails was not Russian. You can believe that or not. But frankly, I don't think it helps to mischaracterize the organization like that as a Russian organization. Just want to make that point. But the the bigger point here is Davis's assertion that Cohen is willing to offer information or testimony. Don't know if he actually has hard evidence or not, but he's willing to offer his uh, information that Donald Trump knew of the criminal theft of those emails before the emails were widely released by WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks. That apparently is what he meant by the computer hacking that he had referenced the night before on Rachel Maddow's show, as we discussed on yesterday's program. Uh, he had made those comments, of course, just hours after Cohn had pleaded guilty to eight felony counts implicating the president of the United States as an unindicted co-conspirator in two of those felonies. And uh, by the way, uh, speaking of all of this, AP News just breaks as uh, as we're talking here. Uh, the National Enquirer, they report, kept a safe for documents on hush money payments and other damaging stories that it killed amid amid its cozy relationship with Donald Trump. They According have, to an alert just out from AP. They have the receipts. They do, and um, their pecker is cooperating. <laughs> all right, uh, one more piece of news of note uh, for all, on all of this uh, for now. Uh, speaking of Paul Manafort, Trump's corrupt former campaign manager who is facing yet another federal trial next month, by the way, related to his concealment of his years of work for the pro-Russian 
Ukraine political party. Following the uh, jury verdict on Tuesday in his first trial, uh, in which he was found guilty of eight counts of bank fraud and tax evasion, there was a mistrial declared on the other 10 counts that he was charged with by the uh, Mueller investigation. He was charged with 18 counts in all. Ten of those counts uh, were declared mistrials after the jury could not reach consensus on those other 10 counts. Well, now, uh, apparently, we learn just one single juror kept the Manafort juror for a jury from deciding guilty on all 18 of those counts for which Manafort was charged, according to at least one of the jurors who voted that uh, Manafort was, in fact, guilty as charged on all of those counts, despite her being a big Donald Trump supporter herself. Special Counsel Robert Mueller's team was one holdout juror away from winning a conviction against Manafort on all of those 18 counts of bank and tax fraud. According to juror Paula Duncan in her interview on Fox News last night, um, it was one person who kept the verdict from being guilty on all 18 counts, she said. She identified herself as a supporter of Trump and said that she hoped Manafort was innocent, but she said... She was convinced of Manafort's guilt after seeing the boxes of evidence from special counsel Robert Mueller's legal team. She said, finding Mr. Manafort guilty was hard for me. I wanted him to be innocent. I really wanted him to be innocent, but he wasn't. And she notes, every day when I drove, I had my Make America Great Again hat in the back seat. She said she plans to vote for Donald Trump again, nonetheless, in 2020. Uh, so uh, she also notes the deliberations were heated. Some jurors were brought to tears at times. Trump, for his part, has praised Manafort as brave shortly after he was convicted on those eight counts and suggested that Robert Mueller brought an unfair case against Manafort in order to compel damaging testimony against himself. Well, it may or may not have been unfair, but uh, he was guilty of those uh, guilty as charged on at least eight of those ten, uh, eight of those 18 counts uh, and probably all 18 other than one holdout juror. Washington Post reports today that Trump's terrible attorney, Rudy Giuliani, says that Trump raised the idea of pardoning Manafort several weeks ago, but that his attorneys have advised against it at least until after the special counsel probe is complete, which itself sends a signal uh, and could be uh, interpreted as obstruction of justice just by putting out that word. Hey, hang in there. As soon as this is all done, I'll pardon you guys. In any event, I would watch for that uh, change in position, though keep in mind that if Manafort is pardoned, he no longer has the Fifth Amendment right, as I understand it, against self-incrimination, and he could be forced to tell everything that he knows about Trump, about Russia, about all of this stuff, which may be why Trump's attorneys are advising him against it. We'll see how long Trump continues to take that advice. On Wednesday, following Manafort's conviction, on those felonies, uh, Trump tweeted, I feel very badly for Paul Manafort and his wonderful family. A large number of counts, 10, could not even be decided in the Paul Manafort case. Witch hunt, he tweeted. Well, that witch hunt has now resulted in more than 100 charges being filed and half a dozen guilty pleas and convictions. 
uh, and uh, apparently was one juror away from having 10 more convictions in the first Paul Manafort trial. So you shouldn't feel too badly for him, Mr. President. Turns out he was actually pretty lucky in this case. It could have been worse. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back to talk about what we the people can do about all of this. As the GOP is doing everything that they can to keep as many of you, as many of you voters, from being able to exercise your right to respond to all of this. As the fight for your democracy continues right here on the Bradcast, I'm Brad Friedman. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Oh, foxy lady. <laughs> Welcome back to the Foxy Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. I try not to cover these uh, kinds of polls too much on this show, but as this one comes from Fox News, it seems worth noting here today, and I, I don't want you to put too much faith in this since, A, it comes from Fox News, which also, by the way, makes it noteworthy and untrustworthy all at the same time. <laughs> Uh, also, B, I think that uh, polls may very well be broken this year entirely for a number of reasons and should not be relied upon for much of anything, really. And C, well, I'll get to C in a moment. Um, according to the latest Fox News poll, Fox News wrote last night on its website, Democrats are in a strong position for the midterms as several findings point to the potential for a blue map. In November, they don't use the phrase blue wave, but they do say blue map, which might be a surprise to many of their viewers who have been told by most notably the president of the United States, perhaps only by the president of the United States, that there will be a red wave this November. Fox uh, goes on to cite several findings from their own polling. Uh, president Trump's job rating remains underwater. Republicans alone say the economy is in positive shape. The GOP tax law is less popular, 40% favorable rating, than Obamacare, which has a 51% favorable rating. They note the Republican Party is less popular at 39% favorable than the Democratic Party at 50% favorable. Again, this is from a Fox News poll. Optimism about life for the next generation of Americans is down 8% from last year. Over the past year of making America great again, I guess. There is greater enthusiasm to vote in the midterms among out-of-power Democrats. Meanwhile, the Trump-Russia probe is not going away. They write, approval of special counsel Robert Mueller currently stands at 59 percent, and that is up 11 points since July. That's up 11 points wow. since last month. That is surprising. Now, 40 percent, according to the Fox News poll, expect the investigation will find Trump committed criminal or impeachable offenses. That is also up five points. 
But still, uh, only 40%? Really? What are those people doing? Uh, what are, I guess, what are the other 60% of the uh, people watching? As Daily Coast's Carrie Elleveld observes, looking at the details of the new polling, Robert Mueller is more popular than Donald Trump by double digits. Obamacare is more popular than the GOP tax law by double digits. The Democratic Party is more popular than the Republican Party by double digits. Voters say they are more likely to vote for a Democrat than a Republican by double digits. And, by the way, more Hillary Clinton voters say they are enthusiastic about casting a ballot in the midterms than Donald Trump voters uh, say that by, again, double digits. 51 to 37 percent, in case you're wondering. Even the economy, a relative bright spot for the GOP compared to just about everything else, is not viewed all that positively by anyone but Republicans. Elveld notes that only Republicans give the economy a positive rating. Uh, positive ratings, 73 percent say that the economy is excellent or good, whereas most Democrats... 67 percent and most independents, also 67 percent, say the economy is in fair or poor shape. Best yet, Eleveld optimistically notes here the poll was conducted Sunday through Tuesday of this past week, and that is likely before most Americans had time to digest the tag team Michael Cohn, Paul Manafort bombshells on Tuesday. In other words, he says it's not getting better anytime soon for Trump and Republicans. So there is some good news for Democrats. Um, but I, once again, I urge you to take them with many grains of salt. And I realized that on yesterday's program with uh, with Digby, I mentioned uh, with all of these guilty verdicts and indictments, now including two, uh, well, we know about Cohn and Manafort, but also two sitting members of Congress who have been indicted, one this week, one just a few weeks uh, earlier, uh, starting with Congressman um, Chris Collins, Republican of New York, on insider trading. And then on Tuesday, Congressman Duncan Hunter, Republican of California, on 60 counts, by the way, 60 counts of fraud and campaign violations for Duncan Hunter of San Diego in California's 50th district. Well, I noted yesterday that it's starting to feel a lot like the months leading up to the midterms back in 2006, when then-President George W. Bush was also wildly unpopular for his Iraq war disaster, his handling of, the, of, of Hurricane Katrina. And uh, in the months leading up to that year's midterms, uh, it seemed that one Republican after another was being indicted and forced to resign for one scandal after another. And that all led to... As I as we discussed yesterday, that blue wave election that we did see in 2006 when Democrats took back the House and then subsequently in 2008, they took the White House and for a very brief moment in time, a filibuster proof Democratic uh, Senate. So it took at least two full cycles to restore all of the GOP damage that had been wrought under George W. Bush in his second term. Uh, but with a party as desperate as Republicans are likely to become between now and this November, as they already are desperate, I suspect that little will stop them from doing all that they can to keep as many voters as they can 
at least voters who might vote against them from being able to vote at all in November. And we have already begun to see signs of that. We reported uh, earlier this week on Randolph County, Georgia, a state where they could elect uh, the Democratic nominee Stacey Abrams as the first, the nation's first African-American female governor this November. In Randolph County, the county's two-person board of elections We'll be voting on Friday on whether or not to close seven of the nine precincts in this uh, rural, poor, majority African-American county, including one precinct, uh, which is 97 percent black. And where voters, many of whom have no access to public transportation or a car, would actually have to walk three and a half hours to vote in November if, in fact, the county shuts down these polling places. The all of these uh, uh, precincts were all used in the primary election just a few months ago and the recent primary runoff in the state a month or two ago. But they're now being considered for closure on the pretext that they don't meet requirements under the Americans with Disabilities Act or the ADA. Now, we've got a number of uh, follow ups to this, including some breaking news just before air today that I'll get to in a moment. But in recent days. We have learned that the board in Randolph County actually has no evidence at all to back up the excuse for that uh, was being used for these closures, which the ACLU of Georgia decried slamming officials for the argument that essentially to avoid making it difficult for people with uh, disabilities to vote, they will make it hard for everyone to vote. Uh, according to Sam Levine at Huff, uh, Huffington Post, uh, officials in the majority black county accused of trying to close almost all polling places to make it harder for black people to vote claimed last week that the locations couldn't be used because of accessibility problems for people with disabilities. But Randolph County does not have a single recent report, analysis or document supporting the idea that it needs to close seven of its nine polling places due to accessibility issues. That according to a lawyer for the county in response to a public records request. And can I just point out that these precincts were all right for voting for the primary? Yeah, but now we got to close them oh, in a rush yes. just days before the uh, before the general election. HuffPost had requested records from the county dating back to March 1, 2018, the county had hired a guy named Michael Malone, an outside elections consultant who is now pushing for these uh, closures. Um, he was hired on April 2. So um, there should be records uh, to support the case being made that these polling places should be closed. But according to the county, they have no written record of any evidence to back this guy's recommendations, this Malone guy. Hayden Hooks, an attorney with the firm Perry and Walters, which represents Randolph County, wrote in an email, quote, there is no document, report or analysis studying the handicap accessibility of polling places in Randolph County and the cost of fixing them within the time frame specified in your open records request. The county has no record of such a document in the past year, Hooks added. The county's admission, quote, proves that their alleged concern about 
The Americans with Disability Act compliance is a sham, according to Sean Young, the legal director of the ACLU of Georgia, which has threatened to sue the county if they do close the polling locations. Young says this is not about ADA compliance because if it were, they would have produced a study or analysis of what they believe are the ADA violations and what can be done about them. Uh, The southwest Georgia county has a population of just over 7,000, more than 61 percent of whom are African-American, and it tends to lean Democratic. The attorney Hooks said that after Malone began working for the county, quote, he observed what he perceived as ADA compliance issues. And during uh, meetings of the election board, Malone showed pictures of problematic bathrooms and parking access, but didn't get into specifics about resolving the alleged problems, according to uh, Young with the ACLU. Officials do have leeway under the ADA to make temporary fixes to accommodate voters. But that's not what they did here. They said we need to close them. We're not going to try to fix them. We're just going to close the polling places. Randolph County's justification for closing the polling places, Levine reports, is especially striking because the county entered into a three-year settlement agreement with the Justice Department back in 2012 to update facilities, including polling locations, to ensure that they were, in fact, compliant with the ADA. John Powers, an attorney with the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights under law, said you'd think if you're going to adopt a change that could potentially disenfranchise voters, that you'd have a strong justification backed by research. Silly John Powers. Uh, However, he says there's absolutely no evidence of that here. And the election board on uh, to vote on the proposal is scheduled for Friday. There has uh, uh, been reporting of this elsewhere uh, this past week that the ADA is being used by the Department of Justice and by Republicans across the country as an excuse to shut down polling places rather than to make them ADA compliant. They're just shutting them down entirely. So this is yes, this is what Republicans do. And yes, add it to the disingenuous push. For photo ID restrictions, for citizen documentation papers, voting roll purges, voter caging, all of which uh, will be and already is increasing between now and this November's crucial midterm elections. I've got another example of that in Texas, but um, I may have to put that off for another day because uh, we have this, as I said, breaking news just before air coming out of Randolph County. And this is uh, good news. The elections consultant who proposed closing most voting locations in a majority African-American rural Georgia county has been, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, fired ahead of the vote on Friday on consolidating precincts. Well, that's good news. I guess they were unhappy about all the negative publicity that he was bringing them. The proposal to shutter seven of the county's nine precincts, says AJC, before the November 6th election appears unlikely now to pass. According to Randolph County Attorney Tommy Coleman, Coleman fired the consultant Mike Malone in a letter dated Wednesday. He's done more than enough, Coleman said. The county is distressed because of the position they've found themselves in. Oh, surprise. (laughs) 
Uh, Malone, uh, who was hired in April to assist with elections until the county could find a permanent (laughs) to assist. Well, they didn't have a a permanent election supervisor at the time. And apparently their board of elections is only three people. uh, And one of those seats is vacant. So it really was or it really will be when this vote occurs on Friday. uh, Two people deciding which way this should go if uh, 78% of the polling locations in Randolph County should be shuttered just over two months before the election. The uh, county is distressed because of the position they find themselves in, says Coleman uh, Malone. Uh, who was hired to assist with the uh, with elections until they could find a permanent uh, election supervisor. He did not return a message seeking comment today by the AJC. Uh, His consulting contract with Randolph County does not mention closing precincts. Their attorney, Coleman, said this wasn't what we hired the guy to do. We don't need the guy, he said. (laughs) especially since the county has now apparently hired an election supervisor. Malone had told residents, and this is where it gets a little hinky, hinkier than it is already. Malone, uh, who's been fired, told residents that uh, Georgia Secretary of State Brian Kemp recommended precinct consolidation. But he then said this week in an interview with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that he didn't recall hearing the Secretary of State say that. He told residents that Kemp, yes, in fact, had recommended that. And then he later changed the story to say, what? No, Brian Kemp, uh, who, the Republican Secretary of State of Georgia, who's running for uh, for uh, governor here? No, he didn't say that at all. Uh, yeah, he is the GOP nominee for governor, and he's a longtime vote suppressor in the state of Georgia as secretary of state. Now, he has publicly said that he was against the proposal, but Malone said otherwise until Malone changed his story. They need to get their story straight. By the way, Malone has donated money to Kemp's campaign for governor, and he was hired after the chairman of the county's board of elections had contacted Kemp's office to seek names of certified election officials on short notice before the May primary election. So they were looking for someone. They called Kemp. Kemp said, hey, hire this guy Malone. Malone comes in and says, hey, I'm here. Let's close down your facilities. That's what the Secretary of State recommends that I do. And then when uh, the heat came on, uh, Malone said, what? No, he never told me to close down these facilities. And Republican elections officials are trying this trick all over the country, in counties all over the country. Just, so it, yeah. it pays to pay attention. And also, hey, kudos for tracking this down and bringing this to national prominence so that these folks were embarrassed into stopping it. I mean, we are in a street fight. This is like precinct by precinct fighting to get people to be able to vote, just to be able to vote. It shouldn't be that hard, should it? No. Uh, Coleman, by the way, uh, predicts that he's the attorney in Randolph County. He predicts, quote, I would be the most surprised person in Georgia if this passed. Talking about the uh, Board of Elections uh, vote scheduled for Friday. So maybe some good news, maybe for now in Randolph County, Georgia. As uh, Desi notes, we are now going precinct by precinct in a a street fight for the right to vote in this country. 
and we're going to see a lot more of these uh, dirty tricks, I suspect, between now and then. Pay attention. Uh, yeah, so they are underway. As I said, I'll got another story I'll try to get to um, in the days ahead in Texas. But these tricks are now officially underway this year in advance of the election. We'll do our best to keep our eyes on them and let you know what to watch for, what you can do about it between now and then. Uh, all hands on deck. And speaking of dirty tricks... How about dirty air, water, and everything else that the Trump administration is now pushing for? Bigly. Desi Doyen joins us after this break for our latest Green News report with some bad and good news on all of those fronts and much more. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. We will. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. We already have uh, some updates uh, for our friends out in Hawaii. Listening on the voice of Maui, KAKU 88.5 FM, concerning Hurricane Lane barreling towards the islands. Uh, So we'll uh, an update since our latest Green News report. So let's get to it right now. Our latest Green News report. Hurricane Lane is a very serious storm. Hawaii braces for rare impact from powerful hurricane. I'm getting rid of some of these ridiculous rules and regulations which are killing our companies, our states, and our jobs. EPA admits Trump's replacement for the clean power plan will kill thousands of Americans. Plus... The ruling by the D.C. Circuit Court counters efforts under the Trump administration to delay environmental regulations first introduced by former President Barack Obama. Some good news. The Trump administration keeps losing environmental court cases. All of that good news and bad straight ahead. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. We're canceling Obama's illegal, anti-coal-destroying regulations. Oh, shut up. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I hope our friends listening in Hawaii have battened down the hatches. It looks like this storm 
could be pretty bad. Yes, Hawaii Governor David Ige has issued an emergency proclamation closing schools and mobilizing resources in preparation for significant impacts from powerful Hurricane Lane, which could potentially make a rare direct hit on the island chain. Hurricane Lane has already entered the record books. Lane reached Category 5 on Tuesday, becoming only the second Category 5 hurricane in recorded history to pass within 350 miles of the state. That's according to the National Weather Service. So this is very rare that Hawaii uh, gets hit by hurricanes at all, correct? That is correct. And so I know there are actually not enough storm shelters in Hawaii, so we're just uh, hoping everyone can stay safe over the next few days. Meanwhile, we now have more information on the Trump Environmental Protection Agency's proposal to replace the clean power plan, President Obama's first ever carbon emission standards for U.S. power plants. The Trump scheme is another attempt to bail out the polluting coal industry. So, of course, they're going to call it the affordable clean energy rule. But Conrad Schneider, advocacy director of the nonprofit group Clean Air Task Force, tells the Green News report that the Trump EPA's own data outright states that the Trump plan will actually harm more Americans by increasing air pollution. They admit that the change from the Obama plan to their proposal would result in 1,400 unnecessary premature deaths per year by 2030. So that's thousands and thousands of Americans who would die prematurely under the Trump plan, whose lives would have been saved under the Obama plan. Just to be clear, the EPA's mandate is to protect public health. But wait, there's more. Remember how the Trump administration recently proposed weakening vehicle mileage and emission standards? I do. Internal emails show the administration had been warned by its own transportation experts that the rollback would actually increase annual highway deaths. Top officials knew that and proposed it anyway. So they know their new plan for coal plants is going to kill people. They know their new uh, scheme to decrease mileage efficiency standards will kill people. And yet the Trump administration proposes this anyway? Yes, they do. Who exactly do they think the Environmental Protection Agency is supposed to protect? But there is some good news. In just the last few weeks, the federal courts have delivered scathing rebukes to the Trump administration's efforts to roll back environmental protections. We already told you about the federal appeals court ordering the Trump administration to ban all uses of the toxic pesticide chlorpyrifos within 60 days. Then a federal judge in Montana dealt yet another setback to the controversial Keystone XL pipeline from Canada. The judge ordered the Trump State Department to do a new full environmental impact study on the pipeline's revised route, which will further delay construction. Then a district court in South Carolina overturned the administration's attempt to delay the Obama-era Waters of the United States rule for failing to follow public comment procedures. Also known as the Clean Water Rule, it is now in effect, protecting the drinking water in 26 states. Then the D.C. Court of Appeals ordered the administration to immediately implement Obama's chemical safety rule for chemical facilities that were put in place after the deadly 2013 West Texas fertilizer explosion. The court said the Trump EPA delay, quote, makes a mockery of the statute. And then the D.C. court also rejected the EPA's bid to stall rules governing toxic coal ash waste ponds, agreeing with environmental groups that the Obama-era regulations on coal ash waste do not go far enough to protect drinking water. It's kind of weird that losses for the EPA are now considered a win for the environment and public health, 
But here we are. Here we are. And it's a reminder how the constitutional Article Three courts right now are saving us and why it's so important that folks pay attention to what may be about to happen on the U.S. Supreme Court, who could overturn all of those rulings if Brett Kavanaugh is seated on the court. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us worldwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyle. And this has been your Green News Report. Uh, Kavanaugh is on his way to the U.S. Supreme Court as we uh, open this hour. Uh, you can call your senator at 202-224-3121 if you want to let him know what to uh, how they should consider voting on uh, Kavanaugh, who, uh, as I said, uh, can and very likely will overturn many of these things, these victories that the environment that human beings have had in the federal courts, uh, which have turned back uh, one thing after another from this Trump EPA. Yeah, but it won't necessarily last, which is why this is a really important time to speak up about Kavanaugh. So Kavanaugh is coming unless something is done. And Hurricane Lane is already here uh, in Hawaii. Des, you've got already uh, some updates today from this from this storm. Uh, yes. Uh, so right now, um, its track is not completely clear. It will be clear, of course, coming soon. But uh, basically what the the models, the computer models are suggesting is that if nothing else, it will drop maybe potentially catastrophic amounts of rain on the Hawaiian chain of islands, even if it doesn't make a direct hit, which means that uh, Hawaiians need to be prepared for potentially catastrophic flooding. And the governor, David Ige, has recommended that residents try to prepare food, water, and other supplies to shelter in place for up to two weeks. So this is very serious, should Mm. be taken very seriously. Hawaii is not accustomed to hurricanes, but, you know, this is a big deal. Two weeks they should be prepared for. This yes. is one of those, again, slow-moving storms, uh, reportedly, which means it's going to drop a lot of rain for a long time. So, as we say, uh, stay safe out there, um, our friends in uh, in Hawaii. All right, got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen. To all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us, it is tremendously appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Please consider a donation while you're there. You can stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help Desi and me uh, stay on your public airwaves and continue to do what we try to do every day over them. As I say, make the world safe for democracy again. We're working on it, but we need your help at bradblog.com slash donate. You can drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad blog. That is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Look out, baby, cause here I am.